ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, TV editor of IndieWire from the AV Club and MovieLine.com, Allison Wilmore, and tonight's guests, Lee Kirk and Jenna Fisher. Thank you for coming. Uh, now, the film had its premiere last night. All right, congratulations, both of you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, were any of you guys able to see it at the premiere last night? Anyone? Yes, one person. <laughs> oh, you guys you have t-shirts on today. I love it. Those are so cute. <laughs> well, maybe we can start off. Uh, Lee, maybe you can tell us uh, just a kind of overview of the film. I know we saw the trailer, but just a little more detail about it. Sure. What it's about. Uh, the, the film is um, it's about, uh, really, it's a simple love story about two people uh, sort of, uh, you know, wandering through a city who eventually find each other. Um, it's a street performer, as you saw in the trailer there. Chris Messina plays a street performer. And, uh, and then Jenna plays uh, a woman, Janice, um, who... Uh, She's trying to find how she fits into the world, really, and uh, you know is going through sort of an identity crisis, I think. And uh, ultimately, Chris helps her to discover and who she is and and uh, how she belongs. How's that? I think that's a good. That's good. Yeah, we. Um, you know, I think it's it, it is a love story, but it's a simple love story, and. Um, that people have pretty ordinary lives. They're struggling. Um, they can't find work. They have to take jobs at a zoo in the winter as a janitor and a, a concessions worker because um, times are tough. And I think the movie is really about how um, finding that one true love or that one special person who really sees you in the world, who says, like, um, it's valid that you exist how it doesn't necessarily um, wipe away all the hardship or all the struggle, um, but it makes it a little easier to endure if you have a partner. And I think that's the theme of the movie. Uh, now this movie also has an interesting backstory in that it's how you two met and now you're married. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, so Jenna was looking for uh, a project. Yes. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I pitched her this idea of the, the mechanical man and she liked it so uh, we started working on it and um, it became our baby and now we have a baby so no exactly no it was um <laughs> I, I didn't pitch that in the meeting by the way the, the initial meeting it just worked out that way I uh, you know I had been doing the office and um, my agents as agents do they suggest that you do more. They say, what, what else would you like to do? Do you want to direct? Do you want to write? Do you want to produce something? And I definitely don't want to direct and I definitely don't want to write. Those are just too hard. I don't, I really, I just don't have the brain for it. I, I um, not that I'm a dum-dum, but uh, it just, it's, um, I don't think that way creatively. I think I come from a very emotional place and um, I can't do the visual work of a director. So, um, but I said I'd love to produce. I love Excel spreadsheets, I love proofreading, I love um, organizing things and making groups of people happy even though they all have different needs and that's basically what a producer does. So I said I'll take meetings with writers around town and I wanna produce and star in a project. And that's how I met Lee. He was one of the writers, as he said. And um, he's very cute. Um, 
And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I... Thank God this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, basically started falling for him in the process of developing this love story. You know, um, we would have a lot of meetings where we would talk about, you know, what kind of things does a woman want in a man and what does a man want in a woman or what does a partner want in a partner? And um, it was almost like dating, you know, having very intimate conversations about love and life and what you want out of life. And... Um, yeah, we started to make excuses, just, you know, we'd say, oh, we should uh, go have dinner and uh, a movie uh, just to research our movie. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I, but I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to reveal my feelings because I wanted to be professional. This was my first job as a producer. I didn't want to sleep with the first writer I worked with. <laughs> and um, <laughs> didn't want to get a reputation around town. I'm kind of worried about the next writer, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, you don't have anything to worry about. But, um, but yeah, eventually we couldn't deny it. Now, you know, I was also afraid, you know, what if we were hot and heavy for three months and then there was all this drama. I really loved this film, this project, and I wanted to see it through to the end. But eventually it was clear that this was something much bigger than just a crush. And, um, and then we did end up getting married, and we do have a baby now. And... Um, and the movie got made, so it was kind of our wildest dream come true. Yeah, if this movie wouldn't happen to me, I don't know what the hell I'd be doing now. <laughs> My life would be very different. Uh, well, maybe you guys can tell me a little bit about, or tell us a little bit about Christmasina's character, who has a very interesting calling. It's really his art. It's not just uh, his, his side job. Well, I went to school in Chicago, and um, you know, Chicago's got a lot of great avant-garde theaters and uh, I used to see a lot of really cool shows but you'd sit in the audience there'd be like three other people uh, in these shows but these performers were incredible and they were very passionate and they would do it year in year out and I always you know I admired their their drive to uh, continue doing you know their work and there was also um, street performers you know you'd be riding the L train or something and this you know guy painted silver would get on and sit down next to you and obviously you think, what the heck's going on with this guy, you know, who got up in the morning and painted himself silver. So I kind of wanted to take the two, the sort of avant-garde performer and the street performer, and kind of make this sort of character. Um, this guy who, um, you know, he's, he has a talent that unfortunately isn't very marketable or, you know, there's not a lot of people lining up for it, but, but it's what he's got and he, and he, uh, he's good at it. And, um, and he likes it. So, uh, but you know, so it was fun to develop that and then Chris came along, Chris had read the script and reached out to us and, and w wanted to play the part and was really excited about it. And um, Chris is an, just an incredible person. He's got a heart of gold and he's an amazing actor. And he's been sort of through, you know, in his own way of being a struggling actor, he's been through the, the ringer that Tim, that's character has also been. So he, he was able to bring so much to the role. And he's quite incredible, I would think, in the movie. Yeah, I feel like um, Chris Messina was the thing that we needed to get this movie off the ground. Um, we shot it in 19 days in Detroit in the winter for under a million dollars. Um, it was a big feat. And um, when Chris, his enthusiasm for the role was what took it from being this project that 
we would take around town and then it would get built up and it would fall apart and it would get built up and it would fall apart. And that happened for years. But somehow like Chris, his energy, if any of you are filmmakers and you want to get a movie off the ground, honestly, just cast Chris Messina because he is, um, he's, I don't know, like an angel. Now we have some clips from the film. Maybe we can stop and take a look at one of those. Doug. Hey. This is my sister I was telling you about. Oh, hey, Jill's sister. <laughs> All right, you two have fun. Hey, I'm Doug Duncan. Hi, I'm Janice. Hey, Janice. Hi. That's a really pretty sweater that you have on. Oh. Is that wool? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Well, it feels like wool. Is it itchy? Uh, not really. I once had a wool sweater that was really itchy. I almost wore it when I was flying to London, uh, first class for a book signing. I'm an author. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I guess they fly first class for these things, I know. <laughs> but I'm lucky I didn't wear the sweater because when I got there, I had to go right from the airport to a live interview at the BBC, so, the British Broadcasting Company. Right. Anyway, uh, what do you do? Um, I don't really know how to answer Corporation. <laughs> British Broadcasting Corporation. I always do that. Um, but it was tough, you know, it was like three hours. And had I worn the wool sweater, I would have been like, you know, itchy much? <laughs> yeah. No, but it's serious. You can't be itching on camera. It's like a big no-no. So, um, giving hobbies? One of my hobbies is helping kids. Blind kids build the church. Um, now, uh, that character, played by Topher Grace, is kind of inflicted on Janice with all the best intentions by her sister. Can you tell us a little bit about how he came about? Well, there's a, you know, a kind of an underlying sort of story in, in Janice's character is that she doesn't really... Um, ask for what she wants, she doesn't really speak up. Uh, and uh, so her sister thinks this is the perfect guy for her because this guy teaches seminars on how to have winning conversations. And as you can see, he, he, you know, he was doing his shtick right there talking to her. Um, but uh, so that's who that guy is. And, and Topher uh, had read the script and came to us and said he, he always wanted to play a motivational speaker. So that was a I no, know. like for real, has always wanted to, like he sits up at night and watches infomercials and had like a whole, he had like a whole shtick, like all planned, like he, it, it, he's really good too. There's a scene in the movie where you see him in action in his seminar and it's like brilliant. It's, it's so, it's such a perfectly done parody without being over the top. It's amazing. Yeah. But I think the goal was to also make this guy not just a villain, um, to try to give him a little heart. And uh, that was the one thing I, I sort of told Topher um, on the first day of shooting was just this, find a little bit of vul a vulnerability to this guy so that we don't just hate him. And he's not a stock character. And I, and I think Topher did a really good job of, of finding that. Yeah. No, we're really lucky with that uh, Topher did the role, I think. Now, we have another setting that we haven't taken a look at yet, but the zoo plays a large role here. It actually brings our two characters together. Uh, how do you decide to uh, place so much of the film at a zoo? Well, I, as I said, I went to school in Chicago, and I, in, in my mind, I sort of set the movie in Chicago, and they have a great zoo, the Lincoln Park Zoo, um, right there in the city. And, and I just thought it would be a great little setting for these two characters to meet. Uh, we 
couldn't afford to shoot in Chicago, so we shot in Detroit, um, which was great. And they had an amazing zoo, and we shot in their zoo, and they were incredibly nice people. They'd let us shoot wherever we wanted. And uh, if we needed a penguin to walk across the screen, they would get the penguin to walk across the screen. It was incredible. But, um, but uh, let's see, it was, it was cold. We shot the movie in December, so it was very, uh, it was, you know, freezing cold out there shooting in the zoo. Um, but the zoo, you know, as, as a, for the, for the movie, as, you know, for what it means, it's, um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, you got these animals in cages and, you know, there's this little, it's kind of a metaphor there that I think these two characters kind of feel the same way. They're yeah. sort of stuck in the zoo along with the other animals, I think. Yeah, I think also, um, I think it helps you see how desperate they are for work, that they take the job working outside at a zoo in the winter, because zoos are open in the winter, the animals are there, and people have to work there. But, um, you know, only if you really, really need work are you the person that sweeps up at a zoo in the winter. I think, I don't know, unless you love it. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't want to stand out in the cold, but that's me. Right. Should we take another look at a clip from the film? We have something for you. A little welcome gift, I guess. You think you are really going to like it? Oh my god, it's like the coolest gift ever. What is it? Well, it's something that is one of a kind. Totally, totally unique. Yeah. Wow, what is it? Guess. What? Guess. I mean, you'll never guess, but just, just try to guess. Okay, um, wow, you want me to guess. Um, is it a hat? A hat? I don't know. A hat. It is uh, definitely not Why a would hat. you guess that? Why? I don't know. I, you said to guess. I don't... No, really. I mean, Janice, please, once, for once in your life, just take yourself seriously, all right? Your life is upside down. It's in shambles. And you guess a hat? I'm taking it seriously. Okay, maybe we should just give it to her. I am just give it to her. Close your eyes. All right. It is this. Oh, it's a book. Yes! Doug Duncan. Remember him from the party? Yeah. I, uh, clean his teeth cast. He wanted us to give it to you. And he even signed it on the inside. Open it. What does it say? Dear Janice, how about we discuss over dinner? Doug Duncan. Isn't that awesome? You should definitely go out with him, Janice. Absolutely. I mean, this is the answer. You know, he's amazing, and he'll teach you how to talk, because sometimes you're not very good at that. Thank you. I love that scene. I love one of my favorite lines in the movie is that she has to say thank you after her sister insults her and gives her this gift, which is a gift that's really an insult. And then she has to go, thank you. I always loved that line. Yeah, that, so they're obviously the Mullen Ackerman and, and Rich Summer, who uh, they're so funny and so great in the film. And uh, but those characters, you know, the, the Mullen plays uh, Janice's sister, and uh, she's a you know her younger sister, and they they're not actually blood related, but uh, one because Janice's character is adopted. But anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say? So oh, Mollen's you know Mollen is worried about her sister and trying to help her, and 
you know, give her advice. But the thing about that character, Jill, is she's, you know, she's sort of successful, but that's just because she's really pretty. Exactly. It's, you know, it's like this gorgeous, blonde, skinny woman giving you advice about how to get through life. You're like, of course it's easy for you. Have you looked in the mirror? That's annoying. And it's like, oh, really? Is life real simple? Jill? Um, she is sort of the villain of the film, but she also has the best intentions all the way. She just does really want to help her sister, but can't seem to communicate with her. Yeah, that's, that's true. She, she, she is the sort of antagonist, but again, I, I wanted to try to not have any really like evil villains in the movie. She's just someone who's trying to help. She's just not sure how. She's worried about her sister and she's not sure how to, how to help her, but she's doing her best. Yeah. Um, so in addition to this being a love story, it's also a story about two people who are having trouble kind of relating to the rat race and relating to how to, how to fit in in everyday culture. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that and how you saw that fitting into how they got together. Yeah, well, um, it's funny. When I, when I was writing this movie, I was, I'm going to give you the long answer here, but I was drawing on uh, when I sort of went through the same sort of struggles. And... Um, at that time, it was really interesting. I, I had the opportunity, my dad was working in Singapore, so I went to Singapore and we went out in Malaysia and we stayed with these native people for a night. It was this crazy experience. And these are people who like live in you know, huts and don't wear clothes and they have a tribe. It was incredible, the most mind-blowing experience. And as I was there, I was just witnessing them all, how they all um, were very happy. And they all, and, and I sort of deduced that they all sort of knew their place within their little society, that no one was questioning what they should be, you know, it was like they all knew their role. And it made me reflect on our culture where it, our culture is sort of, you hit a certain age and you have a menu of jobs and pick one and that's what you're going to be, you know, and Janice's character hasn't picked one. No, nothing has really been satisfying for her. So, so it was with those sort of thoughts that I sort of conceived of this character who, who um, you know, nothing has really struck her as, as what to be. And uh, so she's just this really cool, kind of quiet woman. That's, that's what she is, you know. And I think also she's an observer. She's a listener. She's an observer. We make a lot of movies about doers and talkers and the ambitious people. But, um, you know, we need everyone in society, that the, that the observers are just as important as the talkers. And I think that's what Chris's character, Tim, eventually helps her see, is that she doesn't need to change anything. She doesn't have to become a better talker. She's completely valuable as a listener, um, as a receiver of life. And, um, and I like that theme. And I think also, talking about outsiders, you know, um, you know she's in her 30s, and she's not married and she doesn't have this job and so she doesn't, that's confusing to people. Um, and likewise, Chris's character, he doesn't work nine to five. He stands on the street at 11 at night and that's confusing to people. You know, when you're on the fringe, when you have these jobs or you have these choices you've made that you don't fit into the conventions of how the rest of society is um, organized. And, um, and I could definitely relate to that as an artist, as um, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, and you go home at Christmas and you try to explain what your year was like and nobody gets it. Um, it's, uh, so I, I drew on some of that when we were working on the film too. 
All right, I want to leave some time for questions from the audience, but I think we have one more clip from the film. Excuse me? Yeah? You work here? Do I work here? No, I'm trapped here. What? Miserable human being. That's what they call this exhibit. Uh, I'm looking for the employment office. I'm just looking for my coin. The employment office? Okay, right down there, past the monkeys on the right. You can't miss it. Thanks. I guess we should say that um, there's a little bit of like a, um, well, my character of Janice, she is very taken with the mechanical man, which Chris plays, and he paints himself silver, and he's on the street. Um, and when she meets him at the zoo as himself, she doesn't know that he's the mechanical man, and he doesn't tell her because uh, his last girlfriend broke up with him because of it. So he's a little shy to reveal his uh, true artistic passion. <laughs> Hi, thanks for coming, first of all. Um, I had a question. Uh, Jenna, I, like, I follow your work and a lot of what you do, and I noticed that you pick a lot of um, very human, very relatable characters who are going through just like very normal problems in life, um, especially, you know, Pam. And then I just recently watched a movie, forgive me, I don't remember the title of it, but you played a, um, a, a mother of a child and you lost your husband due to a heart attack or something. But um, and so I'm just wondering, is that something that draws you to certain scripts, and especially this particular one, when you read it, did it jump out at you and like sort of, you know, I'm not sure. I think, yes, definitely it is. It's the thing I'm most attracted to. And I think that it is because um, I was very shy growing up, very shy. I think anyone who went to school with me has no idea that I was in school. Um, I was not, I wasn't like a nerd, I was just kind of invisible. And um, I had all these big dreams in my head and I just did not know how I was gonna do them. And I wanted to do them so badly, I wanted to be an actress so badly. Um, but you know, even at a family party, it was my little sister who turned on, you know, the boom box and was dancing for everybody and I would just sort of sit in the corner and wish that I had her courage. Um, so I absolutely love retelling that story in my characters. I, I just love it because um, it feels so authentic to me and it's really easy for me to, to access that. And, and also even today, even with the successes that I've had, um, the core of me is that incredibly shy person. And um, I just have to um, work against those impulses all the time. I will go home tonight and review everything I said and like pick on myself about it. Um, <laughs> I'll do that after every dinner I go to or any interview I go to. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly in that battle with myself and I love doing that with my characters too. Thank you for coming. Uh, I have a question for you, Lee, quick. As you, you, you are a director, right? You are a director. I'm the director. Yes. yes. <laughs> As you are the director, how do you find this love comedy in people's lives or in any books? Are you saying how did like where is the inspiration to yeah, bring the, inspiration, the, yes. the to bring out the the yes. comedic love story in this in, movie in, in people's lives or any books? Oh, I see. Well, yeah, is it yes. from people's lives or oh, books you've read or? I think oh, okay. Yeah, the sure. Um, right? I um, I I like to just 
I don't know, I, I, I like to, I always find sort of sadly odd dialogue and strange, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I don't know, just... You just say you eavesdrop. Okay. I, kid, I guess, okay, I eavesdrop. <laughs> I eavesdrop, yeah. But I always like to find, you know, when I'm writing, I, I kind of entertain myself trying to, you know, see how far I can take a, a scene going and suddenly it's taking a left turn and we're going one way and try to bring it back. I always enjoy trying to do that and, and I always find it fun and funny. Um, I hope you do. I don't know, but, uh, but I enjoy that. Thank you. We have one right over here. Hi, guys. This one's for Jenna. Um, I was just wondering what it was like to both produce and act in a film and how that fueled your energy for the role and for the project um, and maybe some challenges that you encountered with that. I loved producing. It was great. And, um, and I think I was kind of talking a little bit about I, my anxious brain earlier. And um, when, you, when we do The Office, we film so constantly throughout a day, we only, because we're in that same set, so all the lights are already up. So when we change scenes, we'll get like a 10 minute bathroom break and then we're filming again all day. And I like that pace. I really like it. Um, there's no time to overthink anything. But when you do a film, a lot of times they have to light the scene and it'll take 90 minutes, it could take two hours. And that is just, uh, I, it just sucks all the energy out of me. I start to, if I've rehearsed a scene, I start to overthink it, start to doubt myself. And being able to produce this film at the same time, every time there was 90 minutes, I was on the phone, I was you know, uh, looking at emails, I was figuring out where the catering truck was gonna park tomorrow. Um, I loved it, it gave me something to do. It, it, was, you know, it kept me busy and, and it, it helped that energy in me um, stay out of my performance. So, um, and in terms of challenges, I mean, it's hard. You have to manage uh, multiple needs. So let's say a location says you have to be off the train platform by noon, but the director of photography says the best light is at 5 p.m. How do I make both of those things, how do I make them both happy? Like, how do I negotiate that situation? Um, so that was exciting to me. I, I like solving unsolvable problems. Thank you. Um, hi. Um, so I have a question for the two of you. Uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan. I love The Office. My Thank favorite you. TV show. You're my favorite character. Um, but um, I'm just wondering what, like, inspired you to create this character? And did you, like, base this character off of who you are? Or, like, what gave you the inspiration to, like, like become this character? Um, well, you know, I was just... First of all, you know, someone was mentioning uh, the characters that, that Jenna plays, you know. When she decided she wanted to do this film and I was going to write this film, I knew I had this mechanical man guy. But I didn't know who the other character was, so when Jenna said she wanted to do it, I started to try to figure it out. And I, and I drew on exactly what uh, this other person was saying about her, uh, Je about Jenna's sort of body of work and how she um, plays these very uh, down-to-earth, relatable women. And, uh, and so for me, that was the, the perfect thing to start from in, write in writing her character. And it was really fun to write it in her voice. I'd never done that before, written specifically for an actor. So it was really fun to do that. 
And of course, she, was, she could you know, read it and tell me what was wrong with it, too. So. <laughs> well, it was neat because we, we did have all those dinner date uh, meetings, I mean, <laughs> while we were developing the movie. And um, I actually would, uh, Lee would ask me questions um, about my life, and I would tell him stories. And there are things in the movie from my real life. Um, I have recurring dreams of my teeth falling out, and Janice has that dream in the movie. And um, I, uh, I really did um, yell at someone at a zoo for poking a monkey. That's in the movie. Um, so uh, the movie is very personal in that way. Lee put a lot of my personal stories into the film, which also made it very easy to play. It was, I could sum it up exactly how I felt when I saw that man poke the monkey at the Santa Barbara Zoo. I'm sure he remembers. <laughs> But I also think, like Lee, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's a lot of you in the character of Janice. I mean, I was, I was kidding when you said you're an eavesdropper and that you get your inspiration from that, but when I was talking about the validity of people who listen well, you're a really great listener and a great observer, which I think are great qualities in a writer. Um, you, you'll sit out in the park and you will just take it all in and um, you really let things land on you. And so I feel like a lot of you comes out in the character of Janice. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, this is for Jenna also. Um, I read a quote, which I'm 99.9% .9 sure is yours, okay. and I hope it is. If not, I'm, I'd like you to speak to it anyway. It was that you're interested in tragedy and comedy. I think you said that, wrote that. If you didn't, uh, anyway, if I, if I can just wax narcissistic for a minute, my doctoral dissertation area was psych of humor psychology of humor, and I take it really seriously. And I just have this feeling that you two are very serious about comedy. And I wonder if you could just speak to that, or to um, any, anything like that. I think I know what you're talking about. I mean, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, I would also love to read your dissertation. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that things are funniest when they come from the kind of like, um, tragically honest moments of our life. Um, it's, uh, that, that book scene, for example, like I said, like, it's so funny to me that she has to say thank you to her sister after her sister just insulted her with this gift. Um, that is, that's like the humor in life, the humor of everyday life. I feel like we've all been in that situation where we're so confused by this clear insult that I guess is a compliment. Like, I love that. Um, I love that kind of comedy. So um, there's a lot of that in this movie. We have time for two more questions. My question is for uh, Lee. Uh, Jenna mentioned um, that the uh, film took 19 days to shoot and the budget. I was wondering how long you wrote the shooting script in and how many screenplays you wrote prior to this movie. Uh, the, the script, I think, was 90... Um, eight pages, I believe. Um, and this was, I think, maybe my fourth uh, screenplay. Um, and yeah, it was 19, it was 19 uh, really hard, <laughs> fast days um, to, in the cold. But that was fun, though, actually. It was fun having a, um, a, a very clear um, limit to our shoot because we, we shot right up to Christmas so we couldn't afford to go over at all and do any overtime because we couldn't afford to pay people holiday pay so 
it was very it was very concrete. So I, I actually found that a real a challenge that was fun to, to work within. Hi. Um, first off, Jenna Fisher, I'm a big fan. I love all your work, um, and I'm sure I'm gonna love this film as well. Um, and I was wondering. So obviously, you know, the plan wasn't for you two to end up falling in love and starting a family um, through this film. But I'm wondering now that you are a family, are you planning on kind of keeping that tradition going? Maybe keep making films together, maybe incorporate your child, you know, when the time comes, I don't know. <laughs> the tiny mechanical man. <laughs> I can see it now. The giant mechanical family. Oh, There's geez. so many possibilities. We have to stop right now. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Well, you know, I think we probably will do something in the future together. I actually just wrote a play and we did a staged reading in L.A. and uh, Jenna wrote, read the role in, in the staged reading and she was great in it. So we're hoping, hoping to get that off the ground. And um, if it works out in her, her schedule, she'll play the role. But I just sort of, experience I get to just infuse myself into all of his projects. It's, it's really nice because I get to be the first one to read it. Um, but, it, you know, it actually, it's going to be harder with a child. I mean, there's no way that we could have done this shoot in 19 days with a baby, with us both working all day, every day. So, um, on a very practical level, I don't know if that's in our near future. Um, but um, a play would work. We could do that easily, I think. All right, well, uh, thank you, everyone. And can we get another round of applause for Jennifer Fisher and Luther? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks.